Support for the show comes from Atlassian. With a new story about AI coming out seemingly every day, it can be hard to know what it all means for you and your job. Atlassian thinks there's a lot to be excited about in the AI-powered future. Even right now, Atlassian's AI-powered software can help you boost productivity by eliminating menial tasks, generating insights, and helping you find information about projects, policies, and processes. No matter if you're a team of two or two million, or if you're around the corner or on another continent, Atlassian software keeps everyone connected and moving together as one towards shared goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm Scott Galloway. You are feeling better, Kara. Better, but not best, I have to say. Yeah. It's cold. Is this whatever it is? It's either rhinovirus. We're going to talk about coronavirus is much more serious later, but um, it's bad. It, you, you get a fever and then you get a cold and you get a sore throat and then you cough like you're dying of consumption. Uh, so it just it goes on, I have to say. I, and you don't smell anything, which is not good in some cases and bad in others. So it it's still here with me after all this time. So you, isn't that sort of part and parcel of just having kids? Is just everyone is sick no, all the time? No, 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 no kids. Um, no kid thing because I wasn't around them. It just you can touch anything like you touch a glass or a counter. This thing apparently lives on everything. Wash your hands. That's all I got to say. Everybody wash your hands and wear a mask because this is one that is not in the list of stuff with flu shots or anything else. Then it lasts forever. It's really I've never had a cold like this. Anyway, let's let's move on. Uh, actually, there's some really it's not it's not the best week this week as many weeks are. But tragically, uh, basketball legend Kobe Bryant was killed in a helicopter crash. His 13 year old yeah. daughter, who is a very promising, also a very promising basketball player, was also killed in the crash. Um, you know, just I think people were shocked yesterday when the news broke and there's all kinds of stuff that went back and forth on Twitter. They had names that were not and they thought all his daughters were with them. They thought other people were there. I'm not even going to repeat the people they thought were there uh, who had to get on Twitter and say, I'm not dead, essentially. Um, but just a terrible, uh, they were flying in bad weather. I think that's what it looks like in, in, in conditions other people wouldn't fly in. I mean, let's, what do you, I mean, this is just one of these things that's, yeah, there's not, I don't know, there's not a lot to take away from this other than sadness. I think there were um, two other kids. I think there were mm-hmm. a total of yes, three kids right. on the flight. Which, yes. So, I mean, this is just a tragedy of, you know, on all, all sorts of levels. I think they'll talk a lot about, I don't know if it was a single pilot. Helicopters are generally seen as more dangerous. I yep. think a lot of people, wealthy people, similar to in Sao Paulo and Los Angeles, had taken to the skies because the traffic has become yep. so bad. And then at what point do pilots have... You know, what What are your limits um, in terms of when you'll fly and when you won't? So, for example, it came out today that the LAPD had grounded all their helicopters yeah. because of the weather. Yeah. But it, And I also think it's interesting, a, a couple things that I noticed as, as it was unfolding. One, TMZ came out before supposedly the Bryant family had been they notified. Did. And they did. The, the issue is, should, does media have some sort of responsibility on issues like these to coordinate with authorities such that we can give uh, families the grace of finding out from the authorities and not hearing about it on Twitter. Well, obviously, I think so. But it's just, uh, you know, Harvey Levin's been sort of pioneering this kind of instant firsts. I yeah. can't imagine there was even a question of in that in that office of let's get it up. Um, unfortunately, I would have not made that call. But, uh, you know, it's the it's the atmosphere now of this twitchy yeah. 
immediate yeah. thing. But you're right. Um, in any case, uh, it, it was it's incredible tragedy. We're going to talk about more later. But, of course, Bryant, as many reports noted today, was not without controversy. He was um, he, he had an alleged sexual assault in 2003 that got an enormous amount of attention that uh, that later he apologized for and um, was settled out of court. But um, th- there's all kinds of things. But he had been doing a ton around kids and playing basketball and was taking his daughter to a a team meet, a travel team with the other kids on the on the, that he had created this center where kids play up in uh, up in the area he was flying to. Um, he had he had been well known for using a helicopter actually uh, yeah. to get around from his house. He lived down south. And, so I got back and forth from games, and the and the yeah. other observation was, it feels as if his legacy uh, will be a lot about his daughters uh, yeah. and what a family man he was. He was married, I think, at the age of twenty two, and. Yep. Unlike a lot of athletes, stay married. Uh, yeah. He was married for 19 years, four daughters. Uh, so, and it's people yeah. have been talking, about, uh, speaking a lot about that. And also in our society, I mean, he will go down. He was going to go down as an iconic figure, regardless. But absolutely, th- there's definitely in terms of you know cementing yourself as an icon. Dying early seems to be a component of it, because I people guess. just I remember you I as really young. Live long. Well, we all want to live long, but James Dean and Marilyn Monroe just weren't that talented. I'm not going to go into it with you. We're not discussing dead people talent, but um, (laughs) but they, but he's uh, it it was uh, he had I just had a baby actually in June. Yeah, seven months ago. Yeah, I know it made me sad. I just had a baby. It It is sad. All right, let's get uh, you out of this, Kara. Get me out of this. Okay, let's, let's talk, talk about, about let's talk about corruption. <laughs> let's talk about the president actually threatening a representative of Congress in this weird tweet, which of course he always tries to draw draw the line, but this is a, such an implicit threat as the impeachment trial was going on. Trump tweeted on Sunday that Representative Adam Schiff is a quote corrupt politician. That's all in caps, and probably a very sick man. He has not paid the price, comma yet, for what he has done to our country which was, I don't know, it just seemed to like be a whistle call for all the crazies out there um, to do something about it. And I just, I, Jack Dorsey can put it on his list. Um, on Meet the Press, the congressman said he believed it was a threat. I'm with the congressman on this. Yeah. And then, of course, John Bolton, when it looks like he's probably, like the, the, the GOP senators are going to use any pretzel logic to not uh, call witnesses, which is, in, it's just astonishing, their, their, their corruption and toxicity. But when they do that, like Bolton, someone near Bolton's dropped this book, which is like, the president's a liar and I was in the room. And that's what the book is called. It's an astonishing situation we're in. Yeah, John Bolton is like Sofia Coppola in, in 1992. He's like, you know, let me come to the Oscars. He's just, he wants to yeah. testify. Yeah. I'm like most Americans. I, I want to pretend yeah. to understand what's going on and like I give a shit. The thing that just angers me and it's my shit. fail is all of these quote unquote moderate Republicans pretending to give a good damn and be thoughtful. Well. Well, I don't know. I need to think about witness. It's like they might as well. They're just such incredible whores. They're like, how do I pick up another 11 moderate votes by pretending to give a shit and have any Stop insulting whores. Stop it. Okay. You're right. Stop it. Let's get to a couple more big stories. This is perfect that I'm sick. Um, Coronavirus in China is now spreading across the world, including the United States. Over 2,000 people have been found to have it in China. At least 80 people have died. Five cases in the U.S., two in California, one in each in Washington, Illinois, and Arizona. The yeah. virus appears to have originated in the uh, uh, seafood. 
a wholesale yeah. market in Wuhan. Wait, wait, I'm on to so. something. I'm playing house. Do you have a bunch of dead chickens lying around anywhere no, in Brooklyn? No, this is about bats, I think. Anyway, south oh, of Beijing, okay. Americans in, in, in Wuhan have been evacuated to San Francisco. This is so much news. Residents of the province wherein Wuhan uh, is located have been barred from Hong Kong until further notice. China, the most crackdown country, cannot crack down on this, as happens with these viruses, because people move around, has banned wildlife trade nationwide until the epidemic passes. Um, the ordeal has reinvigorated skepticism around Chinese meat markets, where this and SARS expected originated. Two of Hong Kong's biggest attractions, the Disneyland and Ocean Park, were closed. I have been to Ocean Park. Scott, What's this that is like? Also- That's a water park? Oh, no, it's just a, it's like a Disneyland there. It's wonderful. My son forced me there, but it's weird and interesting. And I know the Swisher's like amusement parks, which just no, doesn't Swisher fit at all. No, Swisher doesn't. Swisher goes with Alex. Swisher likes him because mm-hmm. um, I'm a good mom. It was Lunar New Year over the weekend, which is China's biggest tourist season. So uh, this is just uh, – it started on Weibo, this, this um, yeah. government action after Weibo where people were doing this 45 million views on a popular social media uh, reject game meet. That's what's going on here. Yeah. So thoughts. What? What? They're trying. I, I d- they can't really censor it. They don't. Right. People know. People are dying. Right. Well, I, I generally think. Um, I mean, a few things here. One, I think that we it, it, there's good reminders, including this one, that we shouldn't take for granted the government and things like the CDC and the FDA that regulation works, mm-hmm. and that when you have a disregard for regulation around health and food and proximity of of people to livestock, you know, bad things happen. And mainly China over-indexes on this stuff, right? Whenever we yeah. want to find some scary antidote or whatever it is, we go to get the, the, the flu shot. We go into these regions. I personally think this stuff is wildly overhyped. I think it's important there's public education, but I think this is much more spectacle than it is historic. And I hate to say that for fear that it does turn into something, but I almost feel as if it's a you know, I, I get it. It's dangerous. The CDC will do a great job. Public needs to be aware of it. But I generally think this stuff ends up usually being a head usually fake. Usually until makes... the one. Until the one. It's a until fair point. It's a fair you point. You know, uh, my ex was working fair for point. President Obama during the Ebola crisis. And yeah. I remember they couldn't say anything about it. But suddenly she knew a lot about Ebola. I see. I'm obsessed with plagues. I know all about plagues. All of them. Really? And I feel like this is what's going to take down. What's your day. favorite plague? <laughs> well, the bubonic, really. You've got to go with that one. But these things are going to take over the world in ways that I think people— But what's interesting is social media does have an impact. People are aware of them, even if there's rumors going up and down. Um, it's It makes people aware instantly of these things. But, you know, taking care of these things are, um, are really problematic. And, of course, you need to have an administration, a U.S. administration especially, who actually has science advisors— so it's we're kind of not in a great. I'm sure he doesn't even know what's going on, and I'm I'm hoping the government is just yeah, self-medicating I, and and doing it themselves. It's really, it's really interesting though, because or I think it's interesting. If you had taken the infectious nature of Ebola with the latency mm-hmm. of HIV, you'd effectively have the end of the world. Yeah. The the best or the the most fortunate attribute about Ebola was that people were dead or or very sick very soon, so they were easy yeah. to identify. Yeah. But if you'd had, if Ebola had had, say, a three or five year dormancy period, you, you, yes, uh, you just it would have gone everywhere because you wouldn't have known. Um, so there's, yeah, you, these things are very interesting and very. You know, uh, you and I will have dinner, time. and I will talk of plagues with you. Well, that sounds like a. Yeah. <laughs> how about a bucket of chicken, and we watch yeah, the this, Super it's Bowl? It's a great, it's a great challenge of this world. The way we move, I'm telling you, you're just. You think plagues and proximity? I've watched every plague movie. Even the one with Dustin Hoffman. And is it do is it is it the is with it our species self-correcting because of overpopulation? I mean, there's a reason for these things. They're actually Some supposedly play a role. 
in the yes, progress they do. of the species. They do. Like everything. It's like fire. Yeah, but still, it's not the way you want it. You don't have to, you know. Yes. Yeah, so anyway, last very quick story. Casey Newton had another scoop that was about his YouTube moderator story. Something that when I've talked about, these, these they're being forced to sign waivers acknowledging that the job can give them PTSD so that, that these companies are protected. These uh, Accenture, which operates the moderation site for YouTube, distributed the document to workers four days after Casey published these. Um, they know. They know. They know. They do. They, they These companies measure everything. These companies measure. Why does that bother you? Or why does that surprise you, I guess I should because say? Because they should. They, they, there's going to be, let me just say, there's going to be how much they know about what the, the, the traumatization of their moderators or the depression among teens or the addiction stuff, how many people yeah. they have working on these topics is going to come out, the details of how much they know and do it anyway. I think it's very legally problematic for them no matter how many things they make people sign. Thank you. Yep, 100% agree. I, it's it's not surprising. Anytime you go to work in any situation, the first thing that your employer is going to do is try and figure out a way to cover their ass. Left but right, in this case, they know the dim- impact. They know the damage. I think I think this is this is something that they're aware of, and they're very they're protecting themselves, obviously legally, yeah. which would make sense. But it, it, it I, they have they have psychologists in there. They have sociologists in those companies. You know, I think Tristan Harris gave us a little sense of that. They know exactly the impact, the and I think the mental yeah. health stuff that you talk about. Yeah, that they have. They are very aware of what this way before we all have become. Of this, of the, of the impact of these things, and they'll say they didn't mean it, and apologize and say sorry. Yeah, Thank well, you. the issue, the issue isn't legal disclosure around um, moderators. The issue is why do they need moderators, and why can't they have uh, policies such that we eliminate a lot of this, and or or people just can't see it. I just don't. Why wouldn't they, if they spend a fraction of the money on moderation? on technologies or policies to kick people off, including those who threaten other public officials, and maybe even, I don't know, move to a different business model, call me crazy, and ask everyone to spend a dollar a month uh, on these platforms. But this is, yeah, I I agree. You were talking about teen depression earlier. I agree with you. It's much, it's much, it's built into the business, so rather than hiring moderators, they just need to fundamentally change their business model and the incentives. Yes. And I'm now convinced that until a big executive shows up in an orange jumpsuit, nothing's going to happen. Nothing's or a big executive happen. hands us some documents that we need to look at that say hmm. a lot of this. That's what we need. We it's need not some ominous with your raspy voice. I know that. Documents. There you go. There you go. Anyway, aren't you glad to have me back? You missed me, didn't you? I do, but yeah. I always miss you. Yeah, I always miss you because I'm a bit of a masochist. I was supposed to call you this weekend, but I sounded literally like, hi, how you doing? Scott, it's time for a quick break. We'll be right back with listener mail, wins and fails, and a new segment with Silicon Valley Insider and author of a new and super popular and very funny newsletter called Pop Culture Monday, Brooke Hammerlin. Fox Creative. This is advertiser content from Atlassian. One of our customers who produces pizza at a very large scale all across the world. Believe it or not, they use AI to review the quality of the pizzas that are created. That goes through a workflow that scans the images of the pizzas and makes sure they visually look like what they should. So it's pretty cool. That's Sharif Mansour, Atlassian's head of AI. Sharif thinks there's a lot for companies to be excited about on the AI-generated horizon, spanning everything from making pizza to producing podcasts like the one you're listening to now. There'll be far more jobs created on the other side of this revolution. 
Instead of a world of less, Sharif envisions an AI-powered world of more. In everyone's day job, they're moving from doing the thing to often being an architect of the thing. It unleashes the potential of every human. And I think we can go from a world where few people have access to a high level of intelligence to a lot more people having access to this information. AI is really giving everyone on the planet more resources to do great things. And I'm very optimistic about that opportunity that lies ahead. Transform teamwork with the power of AI-human collaboration. Start using Atlassian Intelligence for your Atlassian products like Jira and Confluence now. Learn more at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N dot com. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. And now let's do some listener mail. You've got, you've got, I can't believe I'm going to be a mailman. You've got mail. Hey, this is Rebecca Sinanis. I produce this show. You might know me from the credits, but here's today's listener mail. It comes from Kyle Laidwig, and he wants to know, after the WeWork debacle, what's up with the other co-working startups like Industrious, Convene, Ucommune, Breather, and The Wing? Has the WeWork story tainted the whole category? Are the subtle differences in customer segments and lease structures enough to make the co-working business work? And mostly, what would you do if you were leading marketing for these co-working startups? Run away from the fire or charge through the flames to grab market share? Thanks, Kyle. Uh, by the way, last week we worked sold its share in the wing. They did that before that. I happen to know about that as part of an effort to narrow itself. Core business also, I think the wing wanted away from those people. Um, anyway, they sold part of that stake to Google Ventures, uh, which right. I think the wing is thrilled about. Um, so what do you think? What, what do you think the differences are? This is an area so, you know well. Uh, the, the, first off, they don't have the same capital complexion. I don't know much about the space other than I took on too much office space and I'm now Adam Newman minus the charm and $2.7 billion. I'm trying to lease out desks. Also hair. And so I can speak to the softness of the commercial real estate market firsthand in Soho. But anyways, the Notel takes a different approach. Notel was doing what WeWork was doing, and that is they go to a company and say, all right, here's a, a schedule or sliding scale of flexibility. Do you want a one-year lease, a two-year lease, a three-year lease? Do you want, do you want sort of lame, sort of cool, ridiculously hip uh, furnishings? Do you want modest tech, good tech, cutting-edge tech? And they create almost like a buffet menu, and, and do it all for you and charge, you know, a decent premium. And it's actually a pretty good business model. And I think that their capital kind of 
capital allocation strategy isn't just just ridiculously drunk. So I think those things have they have much more. I don't know. They're likely much more viable. The problem is they still have an enormously drunk competitor that's overfunded, and the space has been overfunded, which is going to hurt everybody. But everybody is doing exactly what they should be doing, and that is they're focusing on a specific niche, and they're coming up from below. They're saying, all right, the wing was different. The wing had a niche, right? And mm-hmm. it sent a very strong signal about what it what it was. Uh, WeWork's strategy was just to basically overwhelm yeah. the market with capital and drive down returns and just make a bunch of stupid decisions. I call decisions. that spray and pray. Spray there and you pray. go. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that I'm hopeful for the other guys. WeWork, you know, you always want to think everyone's all evil. That's not true. WeWork did evolve the co-working space. There are a lot of entrepreneurs mm-hmm. that want to get out of the house, that yep. want, you know, it's flexibility. Good it's a good product. We never thought product yeah. wasn't good. Yeah. Irritating in many ways when I was there. But the wing, I think, is different. I do want to. I, I'm thinking of actually joining Wing and paying money um, if I use it a lot. I don't, you know, I don't. Yeah, that's called being to, a consumer, Kara. In any case, what do you think is going to happen? I think these are going to be smallish businesses. That's what I think. Smallish, local, right. maybe a couple cities. And they'll be, then they'll value, be valued at point one to one times revenues. Yeah. And the VCs and the uh, founders are going to have to wake up from their consensual hallucination that these were tech companies that warranted tech valuations. They're yeah. interesting real estate. Most great real estate companies are built over decades. Take slow, thoughtful, property-by-property decisions, great management. There's a lot of friction in the business, but the thing about real estate is there's a lot of friction on the way up, but there's a lot of friction on the way down, and that is the wealthiest people in America come from two cohorts. They're either entrepreneurs or they own real estate. And real estate, just the cash flow, the passive income, I always say to kids, the best – the way to know you're rich is to have passive income greater than your burn. And one of the ways that really wealthy families create passive income for future generations is, quite frankly, the real estate ownership. So these are businesses that are more like iconic dynasty businesses. The thought that mm-hmm. you could scale it up and get a weird valuation, that's not going to happen. But I'm, I'm hopeful for the other guys. We'll see. You know, the wing has daycare there. It's really nice. They don't, well, Equinox just opened up a co-sharing, co-working place. I mean, oh, yeah, everyone really? decided to kind of jump in. Yeah. It's yeah, we'll I see. think it's what they have that differentiates them. Like again, like the daycare. I'll go there focus for the daycare. niche. Yeah, niche. focus niche. on something. Yeah, it'll be a niche. In any case, uh, we'll see how it continues to. You know, it'll be interesting to see how they clean up the WeWork situation. I mean, I don't think it's not going to be there. I just, you're right. I don't think it's going to be. It's not. You know, the reality is, it's not that interesting a space. The only reason it's interesting. Oh, and by the way, I'm plugging. I'm doing a, a listening party tonight. The mm-hmm. Wondery. Um, uh, I don't know what you call it. Uh, mini mini series uh, on WeWork is coming out tonight, which which the dog plays a central role. Of course, that's right. That's right. And by the way, these listening parties, Kara, yeah, you put on iPads at the Soho House. You know, it's mm-hmm. very pretentious. Speaking of clubs, yeah, and you put on eye patches or eye things, and mm-hmm. you just listen for the full experience. Oh no, really? A room for isn't that cool? Okay? You didn't mention yeah, me once, cool. did you? In this whole thing, you just took credit for the whole thing, didn't you? Uh, oh no! I have a shirt that says it's her. It's all I owe everything. Yeah, okay, whatever. I owe everything to this you one. Know, I've taken yeah. down enough companies. Yeah, forty, whatever. thirty years working my ass off, and you discovered whatever. me overnight. Thanks whatever. very much. Whatever. Thanks very much. You know what? Just Rebecca Sinanis is the reason <laughs> I'm here. All right. Anyway, thank you, Kara. wins and fails. Uh, would you like to start? I can start. Um, this start. giant Bezos house party in D.C. that was attended by everyone from Ivanka Trump. That was a win. That's not like know. fun. I don't know what it Why is. Why did I was not invited. the dog go? Here's a fail. I was not invited to Jeff Bezos' giant house party. Thank you. Well, why does anybody care? And I don't. What's the problem with that? I believe in the right of free assembly. I think it's fine. If a fifty-four-year-old wants to have a party, party that's fine. He built a beautiful, beautiful house. I think it was like an old museum. I can't remember. It's huge. It's near my ex's house. 
It's in Calorim. It's not Ivanka Trump could have walked. She lives nearby. Well, this is the thing I don't get, and it start, stuck out okay. to me. Huh? Yeah, t- eleven bedrooms, twenty-five bathrooms. Does he have an abnormally small prostate or bladder? What's going on here? He's it's what? for it's for entertainment. Does he literally need to pee every seven steps? He's like. All right, disrupt the world, avoid taxes. I got to pee. It's, I mean, there's 25 bathrooms entertainment. It's and huge. 11 this bedrooms. property is huge. If you walk by it, I walk the dogs by it. I make them pee. Well, it's the old textile the area. museum or something. Huh? It's nice when billionaires buy public institutions and museums. I think that shows the progress of our society. It's for, inter- it's for exactly this party. That's what it's for. For his yeah. Washington presence, the Washington Post will probably do things there. He will never live there. Maybe he'll be stay there. It's a hotel. It's huge. It's huge. It's huge yeah. and rather, it's yeah. rather big. And they've been. Jamie Dimon was there. I um, uh, do you know? I, I thought of this. I'm going on a tangent. Jamie Dimon was a lot of controversy. He made thirty three million dollars last year. Mm-hmm. And what struck me is he advised. He was. I think he's pretty much the personal banker and advisor to Adam Newman, including creating a stocking horse of a debt rescue package, which he was paid a fifty million dollar fee, yeah. regardless of whether it was a success or not. He made $33 million, and it struck me that any guy who is the top the top advisor to a guy who managed to get $2.7 billion commission in exchange for losing 17, who makes $33 million, is underpaid. So Jamie yeah, Dimon, in my view, That's is the most lot. underpaid executive in America right now. Mm, yeah, I know, but ugh, whatever. All right. Anyway, sorry. Bezos I, home. How Bezos. big's the garage, Kara? <laughs> I don't even know if there's a garage. It's All a big right. house. All right. That's a big house. Good stuff. Oh, what's your win and fail, sir? Oh, my win. Okay, so my win, and this is a bit, you need to give me some running room here. All uh, right, so okay, here we go. Everyone's going to be talking about we the gotta incredible get to Brooke loss. we at some point this a decade, but go ahead. There we go. Everyone's going to be talking about the loss uh, of, of sport because of Kobe Bryant, but mm-hmm. the academic world and specifically the world of strategy lost an icon. Oh, this is good. Uh, last week, Clayton Christensen, yeah. uh, Professor Christensen. Uh, Rhodes Scholar spent two years in South Korea on mission and pioneered this notion of disruptive innovation. And up until that point, innovation was seen as, one, largely the domain of big companies that had the capital to invest, and two, were a function of big macro factors, you know, the steam engine coming along or the processor. And he, he coined the term disruptive innovation, and that was the notion that one, it wasn't macro that companies actually could make decisions that were the driving factors in, in creating innovation or and or uh, that uh, it, disruption was a function of how poor the incumbents were. And I talk about this a lot, and that is the innovator's dilemma, which everyone says, but most people don't understand what it means, and that is companies have such a vested interest in protecting their legacy assets that they're somewhat loath to innovate. And then a small company comes in and even at the fringes, says, you know, I'm not going to go after all of e-commerce. I'm not going after Sears or Walmart. I'm just going to go after books. And the incumbents ignore them. We're not going to go after movies. We're not going to go after original scripted TV shows. We're just going to ship people cute little CDs in the mail. And everybody ignores them because they're tiny and they're not a threat. Oh, we're Luxottica. We're not worried about that cute little company that sends five pairs of glasses to your home for that ridiculously cheap price of 99 bucks. And they start biting at your ankle, and then you wake up, and they're such an incredible value proposition. They're so nimble. They're so hungry. They're mm-hmm. so unafraid. They have so few legacy assets that inhibit or hamstring their decisions. You wake up, and you no longer have a little poodle at your ankle. A great white shark has you halfway up, you know, and it's, your torso is halfway in this great white shark. So he brought yeah. up this. He pioneered the world of disruptive innovation and is probably the most influential Agreed. academic over the last Jobs, 20 years. Everyone, everybody. Everybody. Was, and also— 
He pioneered the good internet and stuff like that. The good innovative. Hundred percent. He was such a decent man. And he had he had a he had a uh, uh, an influence on me tactically uh, uh, or professionally and uh, from a content standpoint. And that one um, in business school, you're not supposed to bring personal stuff. It's about business. Mm-hmm. And he was really one of the first academics to taxonomize life lessons in business strategy. And he talked about the notion that you had to invest early and often in your relationship with your family or you would Mm -hmm. end up bankrupt as a person regardless of your success. He said that he talked a lot about not judging your success by the accolades you receive, but your ability to put yourself in a position to improve other people's lives. And I started about uh, five or seven years ago talking about the difference between success and happiness in my class in large part because... Professor Christensen was really gave uh, academics license to talk about personal values in the context of business. He was a very uh, decent man. Wrote an iconic book called uh, "You Know How You Measure Your Life." That mm-hmm. um, talked a lot about this. But, anyways, he, this is a giant. He melded business and character. Uh, uh, gone at sixty-seven, he was actually quite ill. And what was weird is ten years ago, he un- he unknowingly launched my speaking career. I started getting calls from his agency to come speak mm-hmm. about innovation, and I got six calls in three weeks, and I'd had maybe two calls before that in a year, and they said, Clay's sick. So they're like, get ah. that crazy guy from NYU. Oh, uh, wow. But he, he got ill about eight or ten years ago. He had a yeah. stroke. Uh, and uh, anyways, he was just a, 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 an enormous, enormously influential person, a very good person, uh, yeah. not only in blended academia, with lessons on personal character. So Clayton Christensen, gone at 67, but a, a, just a, a lion of a man and a and huge positive influence on academia in the world. I agree with you. I'm going to be writing my Times column on him tomorrow. I'll really? Yes, on indeed. Clay? Indeed, of course. How could I not? He had so much impact on all the major figures and in a wow. good way. They, have, they, they need him around right now, but unfortunately he got sick when right when he needed to be there to talk about these issues. You know, there's Tom Peters. There's a bunch of them, but he's the, he's the towering Influence yeah. and impact, I would say, on tech for sure. Um, my fail, uh, I don't know what to think about it. Fail is the, I'm not even going to mention her name because she's getting mobbed on Twitter. Um, a Washington Post reporter had, had tweeted something about Kobe Bryant's history around this uh, sexual assault. And I think she got suspended because she put up email. She got so attacked for just even mentioning it. At the, it was ill-timed. It was an ill-timed tweet. Um, but because it was right after and, you know, people were mourning and then people went crazy on her. But she also put up emails of people who were attacking her, which I think she showed or their identities and stuff like that. Um, so she was suspended at the Washington Post. Um, but this this whole issue of cancel culture, I don't know if you know, saw Megyn Kelly and Bill Maher talked about it this weekend, was super, uh, super in the news. And it's something I want to talk about next week a little bit because I think you, you talk about it a lot. I have different thoughts on it. But it certainly was apparent you, things you cannot say. But that's like, honestly, when someone dies or in some horrible, tragic way, people do have a moment, no matter what they did, they, that they want don't want you to do that. And so it's being made into this, why people hate the media. Look, that's not, that's not really what's happening here. Anyway, I, I don't know if it's a win or fail, but I do want to think about this idea around cancel culture because when Bill Maher and Megyn Kelly talked about it, everyone attacked them, and it's like, we have to talk about this issue. And at the mm-hmm. same time, all these people have enormous platforms. And therefore, when they use them, they get dinged for things they do that are mistakes or whatever. Um, so I'd love to chat about that next week. 
So. Well, I'm telling you, I'll just I'll, I'll I'll give you a preview. Sure. I think one of the keys to happiness or an algorithm for happiness is to be rich and anonymous uh, mm. because there nice. is the, the moment you and I don't have the same level of fame as you, but as I I draft off of your your cattails, get that. Not your coattails, your cattails. I just thought of that. You're famous. Oh, my God, that's good animal humor on the run. So, but uh, I don't like, I like most of it, but there's definitely a cost. You definitely see people come after you. You definitely see virtue virtue in going after people who are, I don't want to call, you know, famous, but... And the thing, the thing about typically what's happened is we've decided that people deserve uh, a moment of we have a bias towards their best attributes when they're no longer around to defend mm-hmm. themselves. And I hope that's, that's a decorum we stick with. And when yeah. people pass away, we have a tendency to uh, talk about the positive things. Anyway, I would like uh, to talk about it, cancel culture with you next week. Next yeah, episode. I got to read up on it. Read I, up I, on I, it. I, 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 okay. Okay. It's very interesting. You got to be a pro at tweeting. I have warned so many well-known people. I'm like, mm, you need to be a pro at this. Yeah, but I'm, I've stopped. Just... You used to be. You used to be my role model mm-hmm. on Twitter in the sense that I love how you clap back in people's faces. They say stupid thing, and, and you'll just like yeah. get back in their face. I've stopped responding to negative tweets, and occasionally I just like them because I find it just pisses me off. I don't want to think about oh, really? it. I don't want to give them any oxygen. I enjoy. I don't it. want I to cackle. validate it. I cackle yeah. while I do things. No, I, my favorite no, new one is thanks, Dad. Thanks, Dad. Thanks, Dad. Thanks, Dad. Okay, Scott, we're going to try something new that I know you'll like. We're calling it the Pop Culture Pickup. We have my good friend Brooke Hammerling on the line. She's been writing a very popular weekly pop culture roundup on Medium. All right. Hi, Brooke. Hi, guys. Can you hear me? Hi. Yeah. Oh, you have a good radio voice, Brooke Hammerling. You do have a good radio voice. Not the first very time nice. I've heard that. I'm just going to okay. keep really? getting into it. So, right. so you have a pop. We're is, looking for a co-host. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> you know, Scott, don't try to keep me on edge because I will cut you. Let me just say, in any case, popular oh, week. Me? Yeah, I will. Uh, Every do time. you know how insecure in this relationship I am? Yes, I know. I, I am literally it. putting on makeup and short skirts every night for you when you come home. <laughs> Here we are. All right. Well, Scott needs help. So. What are the big yeah, I mean, you guys yeah, talked a lot about pop culture. I mean, believe it or not, it sort of incorporates into everything we do. And obviously the tragedy of Kobe and, and all of that. Um, but it also was timed with the Grammys last night. Everybody yeah. sort of was on edge to see how they were going to cover it. And a lot of people actually thought the Grammys should be canceled. But it was hosted by Alicia Keys. Give us some background music. Hold on while I talk. Because let me be honest with y'all. It's been a hell of a week. Damn. The social universe has, I think, anointed Alicia Keys the host of everything. I think that's sort of like what 2020 is, is Alicia Keys is going to host every award show. And the Grammys were really big. Um, You know, Billie Eilish swept the Grammys. I don't know if you guys know who last was uh, the artist to sweep that way, all four major. Helen Reddy. Helen Reddy. What? I don't even know who that is. Oh I feel I though. Woman, hear me roar. Oh yeah, of Go course, baby. of course. Sorry. To ignore. No, but the artist is somebody that I think Scott. <laughs> That's your theme. That song. shit is money, Brooke. Brooke. You need new cultural. I know. Letters. Seriously, yeah, you, need to, you need to have old people. I, on I your guess. Thing. Well, do you remember the song "Sailing"? Yes. Chris Rickrossen, who I booked for my 2000 Sailing. party at the top of the rock. Exactly. What? He was the for last 2000. person to to oh. sweep the Grammys in 1981. Oh, that was a good song. Oh, that's an awesome one. Another Sailing. question. Come on, keep um, it going. Keep it going. Okay. Keep it going. Well, you guys, I know that Scott I'm knows this because you partook in it. The crazy what? meme that took over. Marijuana. Marijuana. <laughs> 
No, wait. I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Edibles. I mean, drugs may have been a part of it, but the meme that yeah. took okay. over everybody this week was the one where you posted pictures of yourself and your Facebook oh, and Instagram, right. LinkedIn it's and Tinder. Right. And Scott, I saw your Tinder photo, which I'm sure a lot of people would have not swiped oh, right no. on because it was Jeff Bezos. Okay. Um, but that, Brooke, that was... <laughs> do we know each other well enough that you mock me like that? That's, Cara, that's friendship with Jeff, Kara rubbing Jeff off on Bezos, you. Jeff right. Bezos, not you. I, I think it was Jeff Bezos listen, in that snazzy wait, Indian I am desperate. jacket. I am desperate for affirmation. What did you think of me? I don't even know what you call that, but the I did it. So it's called the Dolly Parton Challenge, and it's Dolly because... Okay, DP Challenge. DPC. Do- DP means something else to me, but oh, I'll go man. with that. DPC. Dolly put it go up. Ahead. She posted these four pictures so of herself, much. and it was actually this sort of call to action of feminism, where she yeah. uh, uh, told men to go, or whoever, told people to go and find themselves a woman that could be all four of those uh, photos that she put. And one was the vixen, and one oh, was the, so the brilliant businesswoman and so forth. So that took over and everybody took their own take on the Dolly Parton challenge, including um, dogs. So that was big. So Brooke, have you done one? You know what? I, I, I almost had my dog Potato do one, but I refrained after another meme came out this past week with the guy, dude holding a sign and he was holding a sign saying your dog does not need its own Instagram. And I was very, I, I felt very, um, you know, very, very, very That's, hurt by that. I do have one last question, though. Brooke's but dog, is there, who's more famous than yeah. either of us, really, on the internet. I'm just, I just want to bring it back to, it wasn't this past week, Let me but just it say, was go ahead, go ahead, um, go a ahead, couple weeks ago, and it was a huge, iconic moment in pop culture. But do you know which celebrity released a candle that smells like her vagina? Uh, maybe I can give oh, you a four. It was yes. between Martha Stewart or Gwyneth Paltrow or Meghan Markle or, I don't know, Oprah Winfrey. Mm, I thought it was someone else. Oh, my God. That's an easy one. Who's was Gwyneth it? Paltrow, obviously. I'm embarrassed to know that. Gwyneth well, first Paltrow. off, I, I was going to I thought it was Chrissy Teigen, but wasn't it, oh, it doesn't it, isn't it um, the whole goop It thing? was Gwyneth Dude, Paltrow, yeah. yeah. Paltrow. And apparently Paltrow, yeah. her candle smells delightful. Oh, my God. That oh, was, God. That was this is one of those moments yeah. where I just say to myself, don't say anything. Don't say anything. I got don't you one say for anything. your birthday, Scott. Was... Burke, where can we find more of your more work? Of your if work. you think, wow, this, cool, this stuff's cool, where do we go? I mean, go? follow me on Medium. I'm doing it on Medium because they give me the opportunity to edit throughout the day, and I make a lot of, of mistakes, so I Medium. have to be able to edit. Medium. Yeah, it's great. And um, watch it because they're they're helping me figure out my product a little bit better. It's great. Yeah. Newsletters are a really interesting business. Maybe we'll talk about mm. that next week, Scott. Anyways, Scott, always a pleasure. We'll be back. Yeah, Kara, get better. Thursday. By the way, disruptive innovation, <laughs> urgent care. Yeah. Uh, the healthcare industry is ignoring urgent Ooh. care. It's cheap. It's going after you, small and attractive part of the market. City MD in New York. It was fantastic. They do a great job, great right? Great job. Great job. I found out he did not have strep. Great. I felt much better after going. It was an amazing experience. We will talk about it next week, too. Yeah. Um, yeah well, we, I'm glad you're feeling better. Um, you should you. definitely do that Dolly Parton challenge thing. I think it's either. It's the exact I think same would, photo of me with my arms crossed and my Well, even that's funny, but you should do it. Yeah, be I part will of do pop, that. pop culture, end okay. up on the medium. I may blog, do all the Scott Brooklyn's. Galloway pictures. And anyway, we'll be back. I already did mine. It's oh, really did. good. All right. I'm going to look at it. I'm going to look at it. I'm going to do mine today. Okay. Because I'll be super late, like the, like the ice bucket challenge. Anyway, we'll be back on Friday to talk about a lot of stuff, including predictions. And there are tech earnings, so much to discuss. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, so just a quick note. The guy we had on last week to talk about uh, mm-hmm. racism in yeah. Hollywood, what was his name? Uh, Franklin Leonard. Yeah. 
Franklin Leonard. Anyways, uh, my point was it needs to start earlier, and then we need to admit more yeah, people, uh, people of color in film school to mm -hmm. start to attack the problem. And he immediately yeah. um, uh, updated my thinking, corrected me, whatever you want to call it on Twitter. He said, there's actually just as many uh, women in film school as men, so mm -hmm. that doesn't explain it. it doesn't uh, and explain anyways, it. I just wanted to shout out that I obviously got that wrong, and I appreciate that he... He corrected me with data, um, but He's coming, clearly there's more than that. We're hoping to have him that. at Code talking about data around movies and stuff like that. It's going to be really great. He's a great guy. You'll love him. He's real. He's a yeah. really smart guy. But, Scott, that's really nice that you said you had something to learn. You're a learning organism. Anyway, I'm a sponge. You're a sponge. I'm a sponge. Remember, we love your questions. If you have a question about a story you're hearing in the news, email us at pivot at voxmedia.com to be featured on the show. Today's show was produced by Rebecca Sananes. Eric Anderson is Pivot's executive producer. Thanks also to Rebecca Castro and Drew Burrows. Make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. If you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or, frankly, wherever you listen to podcasts. If you liked our show, please recommend it to actually two friends. Thanks for listening to Pivot from Vox Media. We'll be back next week with another breakdown of all things tech and business. Support for the show comes from Atlassian. Whether you're exploring space, making pizza, or producing a podcast like this one here, chances are your team is marching into the AI-generated horizon. Atlassian Intelligence is unleashing a new era of teamwork. You can use Atlassian's AI-powered products for everything from brainstorming ideas to finding information to summarizing huge documents, all by using normal, everyday language. Atlassian AI-powered software like Jira and Confluence help teams accomplish what would otherwise be impossible alone. Because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. Learn how you can transform teamwork with the power of AI at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian.